Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others aspiring to be them can follow in their footsteps. Okay, guys, welcome to another episode of Latte with a Lawyer. I'm your host, Jonathan Brickman. And today we have with us Lauren Wolf from DBL Law in Covington, Kentucky. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to have you. Um, Great to be here. So let me ask you, so just to get started with the show, to keep with our theme, I have to ask you, how do you get started in the morning? What's your favorite beverage of choice? Uh, coffee, strong, dark coffee with a little splash of milk to kind of cut the acidity, but I'm, I'm, it's just a hair shy of a black coffee. All right. I'm actually, uh, I've learned, including my mother, um, who's now not, will be 93 in a couple of days. She drinks black coffee. I mean, a lot of people drink black coffee. No, I did. So I did this thing, like this was probably 20 years ago now where I cut sugar for two weeks and dairy and it was really interesting. That is one of the things that stuck is that I'd always put like a little sprinkle of sugar and a little heavier in the milk. And I never put sugar in my coffee again. And my milk is just really, it almost looks black. There you go. Like yeah. Once you yeah. go that way, it's hard to go. It's hard yeah. to go back. Yeah, you can do it. I, I don't, I don't use dairy at all anymore. I, I use coconut milk and I don't uh, put any sugar in. So yeah, yeah, I'm off of dairy. <laughs> anyway, this is a very stimulating conversation. It has nothing to do with the law, but it's what powers you through the day. That's right. <laughs> so, so tell us about what kind of law you practice. Um, I, I'm mostly a real estate lawyer. I kind of often refer to myself as a good old-fashioned dirt lawyer. Um, but what we do at DBL and what I really enjoy is we work with businesses and we, we keep clients for a long time and our transactional group, we just work really seamlessly together. So, you know, for example, a client called me a new client, they were looking, they were having a zoning issue. They were thinking about purchasing a building and they were kind of concerned about the zoning. So they called me, can you help with this zoning? Well, <clears throat> I, I ended up helping them with the whole purchase, ended up helping them get incentives because they're growing jobs in the new location. And then, you know, my colleagues who do more sort of tax and they're a little more on the corporate kind of general business. Um, they kind of helped with some of the operating agreements and some of those things. And so I, I really enjoy kind of dabbling, you know, in sort of general business kind of walking a company through a whole lease or growth. And, you know, I always say, just call me. I got you. It might not be me. I might have to, I might hand you off to my colleague, but, um, but at the end, I, I really am a, a dirt lawyer. Oh, good. I like <laughs> I that. I love property law. Wait, so you're, you're representing the, the, uh, the real estate developer or construction company, not the individual? Um, it really depends. I mean, a lot of what, um, my clients are developers, um, but we also, I would say, I mean, it's probably about 50-50 helping developers and, or the business. Um, when you say the business, these, what do you mean by the business? You... So like a company, so like say there's a, you know, Northern Kentucky because of our airport and the interstate, 
7175 that we have a lot of logistics companies okay so you know a company that's looking for a new location and uh, you know it's going to be a million square feet they need new infrastructure you know they need to build the roads to get to um, that and a lot of times those might be even joint ventures where you have a developer and the business kind of come together and buy the property and develop it. So it's really, you know, we, our practice group is called economic development and government advocacy. And it, it's really that development piece and it kind of can look different, but it, it's really, you know, like a million square foot warehouse and they want to get this project done and kind of representing the parties and kind of getting them through beginning to end. And that's contracts, that's real estate, that's overall business structure, that's working with government entities on zoning, on, you know, getting the roads and the utilities and just kind of all that from beginning to end. Uh, okay. That's, that's what cool. we do in our group. Got it. Now I understand. Yeah. I was in the real estate business for a bunch of years. And in fact, I worked for a, uh, a big Canadian bank that did, I did real estate finance and okay. I was heavily involved with, you know, uh, partnership agreements, mortgage agreements, th those kind of things. And then was on the institutional real estate side where I was an asset manager for a big pension fund advisor. Okay. So I'm very yeah, familiar. So you kind of know all the different pieces. Yes. And, you know, we have a strong finance piece too. And we all sit together on the same floor and we really like, we always are the catchphrase that my partner Patrick and I use a lot is that we we uh, tag team, we don't double team. So you you might see three of us on an email, but we always know internally who's kind of the point person. But then one of us might have to like peek our heads up and you know right. answer a question or kind right. of run with something. And you sound like you love what you're doing. It's a well-oiled machine. Yeah, I do. I mean, that's a lot of what we do, too, is mixed use development. So actually, the building we're sitting in um, was from turn of the century um, and used good clients to do the project with us. And um, just seeing these kind of projects like, you know, take an old building, turn it into something modern. Yeah, that's contributing cool. I love to that. community and, you know, preserving um, a historic building. And, you know, that's I find that really fun and satisfying. Agreed. Agreed. So you probably dabble in your own real estate investments too now, don't you? You know, we really <laughs> haven't. And I, we have, so we, um, I live in a house built in 1870 and we rehabbed it. Um, but you know, we, my husband and I had our own law practice for 10 years. Okay. And so we, we, we moved to Northern Kentucky, started our law practice, had our first kid, rehabbed a house, and then had two more kids all within like six years so wow, that's we lot. really didn't dabble in anything except work and kids taking care of your kids right i didn't know there were yeah. buildings that were even that old in kentucky i thought that was only yeah, like the so north where we sit in, and this is going to get real nerdy so feel free to you know cut me off but in northern kentucky um it was actually kind of the gateway to the west so um we i mean really we have buildings from 18 the 1820s um, like Lewis and Clark came through here. Oh, I see. Um, John R. Roebling that built the Brooklyn Bridge, built our Roebling Bridge right here that I can see. And it looks just like the Brooklyn Bridge. I mean, it was a bustling major metropolis in the 1830s, 40s. No kidding. Wait, Covington you're talking about? Yes, the Cincinnati and Covington Riverfront. 
Oh, is it because of the river? Is that why? Yep, so the Ohio River connects to the Mississippi. So anyone going west, this was like essentially, you know, in the 1820s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, in that period when yeah. people were going west, this was the last stop before you were really just in the wilderness. And you could come, so the Ohio connects to the Mississippi, so you could go north or to New Orleans. So right. this was kind of a, yeah. Very interesting. I'll have to do a little bit of research on that now. Yeah. I'm interested in that. Interesting. So how did you get started in this kind of law? What, why real estate law? You know, so I, I, uh, I grew up in old homes in Indianapolis and um, I worked in the state legislature in Indiana. I worked for eight or nine years before I went to law school and okay. I worked in the mayor's office in Indianapolis and 98, 99, well, 99, 2000. And um, I worked in directly with the deputy mayor for economic development and the chief of staff and you know economic development you know a lot of people hear that term and they think like a big company comes like a Procter and Gamble expanding but really you know it's so much connects to just quality of life and it just just really weaves into just strategic it's very strategic in so many ways yeah and just seeing how communities develop. And, and I was, I mean, I was one of those people in college. I was a history major, but I actually like really enjoyed learning the history. <laughs> and so when I went to law school, you know, I always thought I would be in economic development in some, some capacity. I just really enjoyed it. Seeing projects kind of come together and seeing how it impacts the whole community. I just, I've always gotten a lot of satisfaction out of that. And, um, and then when I went to law school, you know, the property, it was just, I really like property law because I thought, oh, this is so interesting. It's like the law and history. And because of, I always found history so interesting, real estate just always kind of makes sense to me. Um, you know, it's, it's so, I'm, so, I'm sure, you know, it's yeah. so based in just history and how we yeah. value property and ownership. And so um, when I just, and my law school in Chicago had a real estate LLM. So there were just all these real estate. You went estate. to UIC? I was looking. Would you yeah. Go? Yeah, you, okay. Right yeah. in the city. That's right in the city, which is a yeah. great And so I just got yeah. to take real estate classes taught by real estate lawyers all the way through. And when we started our practice in 2000 and, well, the end of 2007, um, you know, it was, the really the foreclosure crisis was really picking up steam. And so we, our practice, my husband did bankruptcy and I did everything else. And we were doing a lot of bankruptcies. We, we call them people with stuff. So maybe they owned a business or, you know, they call them no asset cases when it's someone's just got a bunch of credit card debt and they don't anything, own anything else. We didn't do a lot of those. So we were at that time, it was people that owned some real estate, um, maybe they owned a couple investment properties, maybe they owned a business. So my husband would do the kind of the bankruptcy side, and then I would kind of do everything else. And there's just so much kind of just real estate because people own, they're like, oh, like, do you own property? And they're like, no, but I did inherit a share of a farm from my grandma, you know? So just kind of, it's, it can be very real estate heavy, especially the asset cases we were doing. And then I just kind of developed over the years some developer clients, a lot of mixed use, urban mixed use development. Um, 
you know, and you just kind of develop a practice over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Was there any in your anyone in your family in real estate or law? No, I mean, not really. My, I mean, just my, my, like I said, I grew up in an old house and my dad is one of these, I call them hippie DIYers, you know, in the seventies yeah. that like went to the urban core and liked tinkering on old houses. I always joke, like, I've never seen a toolbox, not in the hallway of my dad's house in my okay. whole life. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's fun stuff. I, I do the same thing. I'm not very good at it, but I do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's inter interesting. So, all right. So real estate, I like that. And uh, it sounds like it's a, it's a natural fit for you. Is there, yeah. so, I mean, give me an example, like of a really interesting case that you worked on that kind of stands out. You know, that's a, that's kind of a hard question. I mean, I think, you know what I, I really enjoy. So, so just kind of the problem solving, you know, I, I had my own practice for 10 years, which yeah. means I have my own business for 10 years. And I think, I think that's something that kind of sets me apart when I'm talking to a developer or a business owner. I understand the math they're doing in their head. You yeah. know, it's, I can give you, I can give you a, you know, a perfect legal answer, but what they need is practical problem solving and someone to kind of weigh the options with. Um, so, you know, I really enjoy like, you know, a, a client's got a big, you know, mixed use development and we are just kind of, it's like a puzzle of trying to piece it together so that it works. You know, you've got, maybe you're going to do retail on the bottom and, and, um, condos or apartments on the top and, and just, it's so fun and just kind of, so there was one I really love and it's actually right outside my window, which is fun. Um. So they had a, um, it's, it's just, it was built, you know, in the 1850s and converted it to townhouses, just very, very high end. And then on the end, it's like a big brick building, something you would see in like Brooklyn, you know, or Manhattan. Yeah. And on the end, um, got a, um, a world famous muralist to install a mural. And so we were like, well, how do you, how do you preserve that? And does the owner on the end own the mural? You know, who owns the mural and who, who's responsible for the maintenance? And, um, and there was parking right next to it. And who gets to own the parking, own the parking? Is it, you know, does each one get a space? And just kind of that practical yeah. problem solving. That was really fun because we kind of got the homeowners together we did an H. We ended up doing an HOA because they're not they're not condos. So we just did an HOA, and then there is um, we did a ten year. So the the one on the end where the mural actually exists, um, that unit owns the mural. Um, but for ten years after we created it, um, he can't basically paint over it or do anything. And they all share maintenance responsibilities okay. for the law. Well, let, me ask, let me ask you a question. With those kind of things, where there, there is a lot of um, sort of negotiating, right? About is there any litigation? Do you get into litigation ever? No, you know, I, I really don't. I mean, I, you know, there's always. I've been involved in some litigation, and it's it's you know, kind of boundary disputes, which are just. That never ends well for anybody. 
nobody's ever ever yeah. happy. Um, but no, we we just keep at it until we work. We get a. Are you practice? You've never had to go in a courtroom. You've never had to litigate a case. You know, I have. I call it. I call it litigation light because it's always just kind of been motion practice. Okay. So whenever there's been any kind of litigation, because especially when you're talking about property, unless you know, and, and here at DBL, if it's we do lots of litigation involving developers and property, and it gets to that kind of level. We just hand it off to our litigators, the and litigators. we all kind of work together because we're yeah. kind of more the subject matter experts. than they're it, there's just a certain point where Got it's it. like, oh, there needs to be you know real litigation strategy. Like there might be a trial. You oh, hand like it that, off. That's time for a real, a real litigator. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but I, you know, I think especially with property, you know, when you really start, when you have to look at somebody and say, well kind of okay here's our options and here's the non-litigation options and here's the litigation and the litigation option is probably going to be three to four years and you're talking a minimum of twenty thousand dollars suddenly people find a way to work out work it out right because it's just at the end of the day especially working with businesses and um, developers especially developers. I mean, they'll, they'll litigate if they have to, but they, they, they've got their numbers and they're like spending five years tying up this property and arguing about it and spending 20, 30, $40,000 in attorney's fees just rarely makes sense. And they'd rather just walk away from the whole thing. If they yeah, have yeah. To. Now I remember my days in real estate, there used to, there was always partnership disputes, constant. Yeah. Constant. So I, oh, and again, yeah. we have a lot of money at stake. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah, there is. And I, I my experience with that is, you know, when it really starts, unless there's real, those kind of investors and owners, you know, they're just doing that math. You know, like, I think I'm owed half a million dollars. Well, maybe spending $30,000 on litigation is worth it. You know, and, and that's, and we, that's part of, you know, when we're, when it starts to feel more like disagreement than agreement, yeah. you know, that's, that's kind of how that conversation looks. And, and we have that, com those conversations a lot, you know, well, here's your options. Here's your options. Um, and often if it really looks like litigation might happen, that's when we kind of hand it, yep. kind of hand it. it over at that part. Got it. So, all right. So let me, um, we're a technology company. So I'm curious, what kind of technology do you guys use in your practice? And what's your view on that? Um, so having my practice for so long, so I kind of have, I have a, it's funny, I have a kind of a different view of it a little bit because having my practice for so long, you know, when I, when we started in 2007, the cloud didn't really exist. Right. Um, and it was so expensive and stressful you know there were no options for us so we bought this really expensive really clunky version of quickbooks and you know came on a cd and i had to load it and you had to pay for updates and we had a, a i had a little expensive external hard drive yeah. and i on fridays i would like back it up yeah. and then i would take it home and we'd put it in a safe at home i mean it was like 
nuts. So when, you know, Dropbox, um, when Google kind of, there was a point where Google kind of transitioned for businesses. Yes. Um, I was just all in. And the, um, it was really lucky in the ABA, they have a solo, solo and small practice group. And I paid and for like three years, I paid to belong to the ABA because there were all these lawyers who were much more technologically savvy than I was. And they were following all this very closely. And that, that ABA and the ABA was issuing kind of opinions. And at one point, you know, it was Dropbox wasn't secure enough. And then they made some changes and they were like, Dropbox is safe enough. And I was like, the next day I was like, Dropbox. Is <laughs> Everything's going great. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, the transition. We went to Clio and I, we were, we, I went to Clio within six months of them opening because I was like, you have, it is so stressful. QuickBooks is not for lawyers. They've, they've come a long way, but it is still not for lawyers. Mm. And so anytime there was something like that, that we could use in, in the cloud to not have to worry about losing all our data and our client information like that kept me up at night that was such a worry for me so I was very much an early adopter to the cloud yeah. <laughs> uh, and at our firm so DVL um, you know DVL has grown a lot in the last five years and so really kind of growing into you know kind of what technology looks like so you know we've incorporated iTime um, some people are still using the old LMS system, which just makes my head hurt. I don't know how people use that. Um, you know, we, we've switched to Nextiva for our phones um, and our internal communications. And we're still kind of growing into it as an yeah. institution. But I, God, I love technology and I, I could go on and on all day. Oh, good. That's great. Change. Well, it's hard for people it's to change. change. It's hard for people to change and it's usually generational and, you know, it turns over eventually, but, you know, make, it's very hard for people to change their behavior right, and learn something new because it disrupts your work. It is. It's so hard. It is so hard. And I, you know, when I went from my own, I was at a prior firm for two years after leaving my own practice and man, it took me, it really took me and I love technology, but it took me six months until I really felt like my workflow and yep. that every time I saved a document didn't take five minutes and you, right, know, you weren't thinking like, about it you know when you yeah, know when it's yeah when it clicks you just know what to do you don't have to think about it yeah and luckily DBL use all, uses all the same systems as my prior firm I mean they're kind of set up a little bit differently yeah. so there's some a little bit of twists and turns, but it's it's basically the same. It's all the same software, so excellent. That was that was seamless. Oh, good stuff. So let, I'm gonna I'm gonna, we're gonna wrap it up here in a minute. But so, is there anything else you want people to know about you? And what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to learn more about your practice? Yeah, sure. Well, our our website is dblaw.com. Super easy. Um, my email l wolf two Fs at dblaw.com. It's the best way to best way to reach me. And you know, I think the thing I take most pride of and I, at DBL is we really, you know, I always say like just call me. I got gotcha. you. We'll figure it out. But and 
and we will be the first to send someone to another firm too if it's not our if it's not our sweet spot or if we're not exactly what you need i mean we we give you know we're really good knowledgeable attorneys and i i take a lot of pride that we also always we try and help clients reach the practical solutions and that's you know problem solvers you know will be a resource to you and whatever you need it might look different for different clients but you know we help we always always help them reach a practical solution and i i'm really proud of that excellent well if i cut if i come to covington i'm going to look you up for real yeah sure. <laughs> all right well listen uh thank you very much for spending time with us again this has been lauren wolf with dbl law in covington kentucky northern kentucky and uh, this show has been sponsored by Emotion Track with a C. And it's a virtual focus group platform where you use um, emotional insights to help people um, prepare for trial mediations. Thank you very much, Lauren. All right. Thanks. It was nice to meet you. You bet.